You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alon. And this is Jim Man. And in case you don't know by now, it's time to get embarrassed with us. <laughs> the embarrassment's already begun. Let's do it. Welcome, welcome. This is Lost and Rewound, and we are coming to you, as always, every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern here in the basement in Bushwick. Yes, that was your time check, and this is the time for the show. <laughs> <laughs> you can donate to our show or donate to Radio Free Brooklyn. You can do so at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge or... You can directly give us dough and help pay for all these difficult things that we need. Because, again, radio, as much as it's radio-free, costs money. It's true. costs money. It's uh, so you can sponsor our show. At so the, the, the RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash L-A-R for Lost and Rewound. Be a sponsor. $1, $2, $5, $10, $110. It doesn't matter as long as it's some kind of monetary contribution and there's there's it swag. Will help us. There's swag. There's swag to be gotten. You can get swag. There's many, there's much swag. And there mm, and I and I, I hear talks that they're going to make even better swag too soon. Oh boy, that's cool. They're going to up the swag game. In the interest of time, we have no time to delay because our guest this week is coming to us here live in the studio. So let's get to it now. So during the Danziger Zone days, I had a co-host, more or less, an unofficial co-host who was one of the more brilliant minds of creating original content. And we were in middle school, and we remained friends, and we've had him on the show here a few times. But the difference between the times that we've had Brooks Rocco on Lost and Rewound in the earlier iterations is that he was living in San Francisco. Now Brooks is a New York City resident. Welcome. Brooks Rocco. Well, thank you very much. Is the tape recorder on this time? We are on. We oh, are live. Live from the back of the school bus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing, dude. Thanks so much for coming out and being here with us live in the studio. You have a job here. You were relocated. Yeah, I went out there when we graduated yes. from Antiora, or at least when I graduated from Antiora uh, in 2001, and I came out, went out to San Francisco, and uh, I've tried to leave a number of times. And this was the big one. And I came out here for a job. And I came out here for a lady. And I mm -hmm. came out here for a new adventure. And I came out here to uh, be in this very seat. Yes, exactly. That's All why these here, decisions have come to this moment. Do you play New York songs? Like right when you arrived, did you like put on some Frank Sinatra and be like, yeah. 
You know, I'm from New York originally, so I, I, uh, I kind of... Yeah, but the city... Those live inside of me. When Sinatra was singing New York, New York, he wasn't like, Syracuse. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was I mean, he repeats it a couple times. It makes the song better, but it's actually, <laughs> it's a couple numbers short of a zip code, really. Yeah. Um, but once you get to the city, it's like a different, it's a different deal, like really being here, right? That is true, yeah. I mean, living in upstate New York is very different from living in the city. I've never actually lived in this city proper, so that's another reason why I thought it might be time to give it a shot. Uh, Your dad's originally from the city, right? Yeah, he grew up on King Street down... West uh, Village. In West Village, yeah. And I'm over in the East Village now, so I'm not too far away from the uh, Pops stomping grounds. When you were looking for apartments, what made you decide you wanted to live in Manhattan? It seems like a rather unusual decision when people (laughs) are moving to New York in 2016. Which is a crazy thought isn't it right it, it is it is no I'm... it's a monetary decision yeah <laughs> people don't not move to manhattan because they don't like it they'd move there because they don't think that they can afford it was it that just having the new york experience in its pure unadulterated form for your first go around well it, one of the thoughts and a, a lot of a lot of decisions went into making that happen but one of the thoughts was uh you know coming from san francisco I'm kind of used to the city over here and then, like, the other lesser cities over here. One thing I've noticed about people who uh, live in the Bay Area is when you start in SF, occasionally, you know, things happen, whether it be, you know, families or or financial things, and you end up going to Oakland because it's cheaper to live out there. Right. It's kind of like a Brooklyn of the Bay Area. It's kind of like Brooklyn of the Bay Area. And one thing about Oakland is that people don't really move from Oakland to San Francisco. And even if they have, you know, like the the financial abilities to do that, even though, you know, there are places in Oakland that are just as expensive as SF, just as there are places in Brooklyn that are just as expensive as Manhattan at this point. But people still don't really go from Oakland to SF, just as I imagine people don't often go from Brooklyn to Manhattan. The opposite happens, but the, the other way doesn't really occur. So what we figured was if we're going to move to New York, Yeah, for the first round, at least, if we can swing Manhattan, we might as well, because we can always move to Brooklyn. We can always move somewhere outside of Manhattan. But going in the opposite direction, I assume, almost never occurs. See, the thing is now, he's exactly right, Brooklyn is sometimes more expensive than Manhattan because it has all the name recognition now. No question. And if you really want to save money in New York now got to move out to Queens. That's the soft bed there, but uh, the only problem when they move to Queens is that then when people ask you where you live, you have to say Queens. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the risk you have to take. Yeah, there's got to be ways of getting around that, right? It's like, no, I'm from Astoria. Astoria's cool. I live in LIC. I live in Long Island City. That's exactly what people do. They'll say the neighborhood, or they'll say, I live in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of Queens pride, though. There's definitely... A contingent of folks who still continue to live in Queens, not necessarily in the same neighborhoods, but they are drawn to that community. They're drawn to the inexpensive nature. How they could be drawn to being off the 7 train, the jury's still out on that one because that train sucks. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. It's hard to find a good train. (laughs) I'm always trying to, like, think about which trains are the actually reliable ones, and it's not many. Yeah. It's not many. You know what's amazing? So I don't know any of this lingo. I'm a new transplant, and I know next to nothing questions. about the city. Field your questions. He's the, he's the tour guide. He's even a better brother than I am. So New Yorkers treat trains like they're people. The way that they talk smack on the 7 train, like they've done you wrong, like it, it didn't give you a nice enough foam on your latte or something, or you've got hot cars or something, right, during the summer. Cars can be fickle. And 
I don't know which ones are the ones to trust and which ones are the ones to avoid. And if a Google map tells me to go on a train, I don't question it. I go on that train. But if you have some knowledge. Well, one thing is if a train pulls up and it's jammed with people and every train car you look in is jam-packed and there's one train car that's empty, don't get on the empty train car. Okay, why? Uh, somebody pooped in it. <laughs> or um, there's no AC. It could be any kind of excrement or, um, <laughs> or, or something that will make you barf. Yeah, <laughs> right. You'll walk in and you'll be hit with a wave of stench, yeah. and it'll be brutal. Look, it sucks. You know, the homeless epidemic—it's no joke. But it used to be a hundred times worse. Yeah, but there will be a car every now and again when you're taking the train late at night, for example. And there's a good reason why nobody wants to get into that car because one guy's lying down and he has a, a quite a foul odor to him. <laughs> yeah, that's like, just an example. And it's so funny because I remember, I, like, when I was a kid, the first time it ever happened to me, and when I'll see it happen to other people, they'll have this look on their face of elation, like, "Wow, I found one train car! Look, I got all these seats to myself! Like, how did this happen? It's like a train car just for me! It's magic!" And then they get in and they go. Oh. <laughs> what other questions do you have? Oh, boy. Um, so Brooklyn is huge. It is. It's bigger than anything I'm used to. When mm-hmm. people say, like, hey, come out to Brooklyn, that, that doesn't uh, – You should me- be – That means nothing yeah, to me. Yeah, no, you, you should be consumed. It's about concerned. the size of Chicago. It's, it's absurd. <laughs> so I don't know what parts of Brooklyn are safe and what parts of them are, you know, are uh, – This area is very fashionable. safe. Fashionable. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I am right now. There's very little. You're you could, in Bushwick. You, you yeah. could murder me or kidnap me, and I would not be able to tell the authorities where I am. There's a thing that used to happen in the old days, and it still does, and I've noticed this recently, is that, like, this neighborhood used to be dangerous. And basically there's this thing where the attitude of the people who obviously were here before the transplants were here to the transplants is how, how you can tell now that it's dangerous. So if you walk down the street and people look at you like, what are you doing here? Then it's dangerous. Ooh, okay. If you okay. walk down the street and there's there's just indifference on their face and they get that you're not from there, yeah. And then they just but like they're not, they're just looking right past you like they're doing their normal daily thing. Yeah. Then you're good. But if you're walking on the street like I've walked down streets and this used to happen all the time when I was a kid and you walked down the street and people would look over. I had a, one time someone approached me like you need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh? It's true. And they were like, you're not from here, are you? And I was like, what? Uh, one thing I realized though before I forget about the thing with the trains, you won't experience how bad they are until you move out to the boroughs. In Manhattan, they're all good. That's sort of the deal. So in Manhattan, it's like, wow, I can get anywhere on the island in like 10 minutes. I can be on any avenue. There's another train, and what, I have to walk like another 10 minutes to get where I need to go after that? Which is a thought thought I've had. uh, This newbie has had that thought, like, wow, this is really convenient. In Manhattan, contained completely within Manhattan, if you never went to the boroughs ever, and the trains didn't go out to the boroughs, it'd be the best train system. Perfect example. uh, The little time that I've spent in San Francisco, areas that probably don't have a Muni right next to it, is no different than areas like Marine Park or something that aren't very close to a train because you are dependent on a car. Yeah. Right? I, you lived in, in Sunset. That wasn't necessarily close to anything. You were always driving, I feel like, over uh, there. When I lived in the Sunset, I was into driving. But I've lived in almost every neighborhood in San Francisco over the years. and the uh, 15 years will do that, yeah. <laughs> 15 years is a long time. It's a long time to do anything. It's probably the longest I've ever done anything outside of living in Woodstock, you know, when I was growing up as a sprout. 
Making, making, making fourth grade obscenity with our tape recorders, mm-hmm. which I wasn't doing in San Francisco. I was, I was, you know, I had a radio show myself, actually. Yes, believe, you did. Believe mutant, it or not. Mutiny Radio, right? Yeah, over at Mutiny Radio. Uh, good. You know your history, your Brooks Rocco history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You've been following my career. He is, I, uh, he's your biographer. I, I, I did not get a chance to see you in action, but you did bring me over to the uh, premises That's and right. showed me around. Yeah, it was a it was a cool little scene. It's still going. Hit mutinyradio.org for any of you listeners you want to hear what's going on in the SF scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love not having a car out here. I don't want to ever own a car again. It's 2016. Uh, by the time, you know, I decide to leave New York, if I ever do, uh, and want to live, you know, somewhere outside that would require a car, the robots are going to control everything. So I don't think that there's any reason to ever own a car again. What, what, what's the time on that right now? The time frame is 15 years. The robots are going to be We're, doing everything. They're yeah. already controlling beer trucks. That's what I, no, and that's what I hear is they say that they think they think maybe 10 or 15 years that it's going to be. Think about how fast everything happened, man. Now you can watch Netflix while you take a poop. Like five years ago, that was only a, a, that was like, a dream. That was a dream that everyone had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things things are accelerating real fast, and and poop dreams of the, of the past are now poop reality. I mean, boredom is something that we cured. Yeah, it's done. It's done. <laughs> it's Race, gone. Racism is still here, but boredom is over. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Obama hasn't ended racism, but Larry Page and Sergey Brin have cured boredom. It doesn't Amazing. exist anymore, man. It's cra- isn't it? It's it's nuts because it's it's one of those things that now there's going to be like a new term for. I'm not bored, but I'm like just wasting my mind away on trivial, meaningless things. That has to become like a, they're going to have a new phrase for that. Yeah, like, it's called oh, life. Just, True. You know those little vacuum cleaners that the dentist puts in your mouth. We're all going to have those at all times. Because that's a great invention, right? That, that little, little, oh yeah, thanks. You know, I'm like drooling, but you know, that'll take care of it. We're all going to need those in our little VR sofas. Yeah, but they got to make a quieter version because I can't deal with that. I haven't done it yet, but I hear that the VR now is like really real. That's the deal now. As opposed to really unreal? As opposed to looking like Tron or looking like that video in the 80s where like the guy started turning into like 3D blocks and everyone was like, this video is so cool. And you watch it now and you go, what the hell were people smoking back? The thing that's kind of interesting is you and I, like our generation are the people that are making this weird world that we're about to enter. So we kind of grew up on those old futuristic movies that had, you know, like neon blue everything and Star Trek this and that. The people that are making the weird world that's coming are trying to recreate their past. That's why Westworld is happening. Westworld... I love that movie so much. It's so bad. It's such yeah. a bad movie. Yeah. Has, have yeah. you seen it? No, I have Crichton. not. Michael Crichton. Oh, my God. Like, um, Yule Brenner what? is the man in black, dude. That's funny. And, you know, he's walking around, and they're like, oh, I mean, what, what an awful premise for a movie. Oh, wouldn't I love – it's this? It's the exact same idea. We don't care about the Wild West now. Now yeah. we care about cheesy 80s movies. Yeah, yeah. But – at that time, they were like, oh, it wouldn't be great to harken back to the old days of the West and go to a oh, Wild yeah. West theme park I, I couldn't... where you can shoot robots for fun mm-hmm. in, like, High West duel situations. Well, it wasn't the people growing up in the 70s that are making the future. It's the people that grew up in the 80s and early 90s that are creating the future. Yeah. You're totally right. So, like, yeah. Time Bandits, do you remember that movie? Wow, that it, rings a bell. I, yeah, can't, I can't place it. Terry time. Gilliam, I think. Okay. Uh, uh, but, I, you know, I watched that movie when I was a kid and did not like it at all. It's 70s vision of the weird future that just like didn't make sense to me but the 80s stuff 
was kind of where it's at. And then Blade don't, don't even get me Blade Runner and stuff. And then Back to the Future and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and like during the 80s and the 90s, they had no idea how influential they were going to be for the future. This entire generation is just mimicking everything that came out back like, then. The coolest music being made today is 80s ripoff electronic stuff. Like once in a while, you'll get like some cool 70s analog synthesizers, but ultimately the beat is like 80s. Right. 80s music is not ever going to die, ever, 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 ever. I seem to recall a church's video that interpolated uh, fitness instructional. That's a good uh, word. <laughs> what? Dropping some four dollar words here. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking that. I was like gonna look it up, but then I didn't want to. I was feel transcribe bad. the entire Danziger Zone output. You will not see the word interpolated. No, for sure, <laughs> guaranteed. This is how we've grown. Oh Let's gosh, see. we've grown up. <laughs> big old words. Well, that's a good segue actually, because. I am really intrigued by the clips of which I've chosen, and hopefully they will intrigue you just as well. There are three clips that I wanted to play on this episode, and they're all from different years. There's no easy way to segue from what we were talking about into what this first clip is, as I you normally like to go in chronological order, because this clip is when you were 11. We have another one when you were 12, and then another one was like 13 or 14. Dude, wait, me? That's right. This is a me episode? This is a you episode. Oh, boy. Yeah, dude. We don't theme. We don't bring wait, the guests. We don't up. bring the guests on and then talk about some other like third party. Like, hey, you know, what about this guy? You were like this guy. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should go without stating that you probably make the most appearances on any one episode when you. Uh, I was just thinking are not. It's almost for me. It's almost like meeting a. Lo- it's a lost and around celebrity at oh, this boy. point. Oh, yeah, because no one else has appeared on as much media that we've played and 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 had their <laughs> it's name impossible and to had their you, name mentioned had their name mentioned. As often, similarly. I hope that I'm able to live up to me. <laughs> Let's take a listen to this first clip. Uh, you are telling a fairy tale. Promotional consideration. Pitbull by the following. G.I. Joe! Yeah! <laughs> okay. It's now time for a Fuxmuckle fairy tale. One day. Uh, who should be at this time? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, this big horse said, Hoy, what's your name? And then she said that to a... Um, a big giant that said, My name is Darth Vader. And Darth Vader said, Rah! And the horse ran away. He said, I will destroy the world. I will destroy the world if you didn't hear that. Okay, um, then Cinderella came and said, Hi, Darth Vader. And Darth Vader said, What are you doing here? And Cinderella said, My name is Cinderella and I am the queen of the world. And you will obey my every... White is my sister. And Snow White is my sister. And I will... You will do anything I say. I'm the captain of the Death Star. You cannot say that to me. And... And then Hansel and Gretel came up. And they shopping. And, um... Yeah, Hansel and Gretel came up and said... We... They're the friends of the dwarves. And she said... We have killed, um... The Wicked Witch by throwing her in the fire. And we will do that to you, Darth Vader. And Darth Vader said, Why too big? Because Darth Vader was like 200 million feet high. So he said, I will step on your foot, said the um, horse. And he started jumping on the horse, the foot. And then the moose came and said, I will jump on your foot. And so they jumped on his foot. Then everybody jumped on his foot. And then Mother Earth came, uh, lifted her hand out of the ground and started slapping at his foot. And every and Darth Vader said, Oh, my foot. And <laughs> like anyone would. And then... Zeus threw a lightning bolt at his foot. He said, "Oh my foot!" And and then his foot got a big hole in it. And and everybody won. But Snow White said, "I haven't 
haven't hit it yet. So snowy comes and makes it snow, and then Darth Vader freezes. The Death Star falls on top of him, and he dies. The end. This has been a Brooks Ruckle fairy tale. We've said it before here, but you clearly were of you were of the most lucid mind of anybody that was on this program because how you were able to create all of that just like off the top of your head is just genius. I like how the kids everyone applauded for you at the end. <laughs> Master orator. Oh boy, okay, so yeah, I can't live up to that. That that was I don't know who that was. That, that you was... keep saying that. <laughs> Well, okay, but my have cells my... have regenerated three times since sure. then. That little boy is not me, but I guess zero... it is. Do though. you have any recollection of, of the events in question? That Darth Vader voice sounds weirdly familiar. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I have no real recollection of that. But I have to say that that kid right there was the uh, the boy of a thousand voices. That was impressive. Go me! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the voices that I had were rather limited versus that of yours where I think it meant... A lot to be able to have someone like you around to just divvy it up and make it completely go crazy into all these different celebrity impressions. Well, yeah, a, a lot of things happened in that little bit, too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Darth Vader showed up and I guess he grew to about 400 million feet tall. Yep. That's kind of big. The Death Star crashed down on someone, which is a basic fundamental misunderstanding of gravity. Yes. I don't think a space station can land on someone's foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hansel and Gretel shared a voice. <laughs> <laughs> they you shut up. Ian down really, really fast. Though. Oh yeah, and then, then also, yeah, I wouldn't. I hogged the mic. Obviously, no one else come near me. Yeah, no. yeah. You must have been swatting at people while you're doing it. <laughs> I, I want to bring up actually quickly in an earlier episode of the season, we actually got a chance to listen to you do a an impression of Steven Tyler. Uh, I don't know the song "Walk on the Water." I think is what oh, the song. Oh yeah. Well, um, Aerosmith was my first favorite band. It was, and uh, I had. A CD copy of Big Ones, their greatest hits album. That was, I think, that was the the second CD I ever bought for myself, and I listened to that thing all the time on my little CD player. I don't know if '90s Aerosmith is ever going to be cool again, but it I, shouldn't. It, and it shouldn't. Aerosmith's '70s coked out albums are kind of cool here in Williamsburg, I think. <laughs> but the, the '90s Aerosmith, good at the time, I don't think are coming back. What, this, what but was, I love them. What was the second album that you ever bought? Oh, long, for me? For a long time. Oh. I don't even remember the second one. I know that the first one I bought was Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. I don't know why I even said I bought it. I, I did nothing of the sort. <laughs> I never bought anything of my own. My mother definitely like took me to the wall or wherever. Well, if you, but you chose it, you know. Correct. Yes. Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream was the first CD that I bought in that I, I feel like bought. the second one is a good question. Second it's, one that I, <laughs> you know, it's subtle, it's strange. Every, everyone's been, everyone's want, been asked a hundred times. I want to say the first show you ever saw. What's yeah, the first exactly. You've ever What's bought? the second one? Yeah. Well, I, I, I know the second show that I ever saw at Roseland Ballroom. It's the one that you and I went That's to. That's right, and that was the second show I ever saw too. Presidents of the United States of America, man. Uh, yep. I know my first and second CD, and one is significantly more embarrassed than the other, and it's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say my second album probably was live throwing copper or something of the sort it was stuff that came out in sixth grade i can't remember a lot of the albums i bought in fifth grade but in sixth grade i remember i just went all in and i got cranberries and live and another smashing pumpkins album yeah my first cd was the soundtrack to the matrix red hot chili peppers i definitely got 
which was like really a lot of heavy metal and like Deftones yeah. and like Rob Zombie and stuff like that. Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. There. It was actually a really decent collection. I was sort of like getting into rock at that point, but then my rock taste went in the wrong direction. <laughs> what do you mean by wrong direction? Because <laughs> the second album I got was Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. Is yeah. that what that one was called? Yeah, the, the, whatever one was like the, is still on like the hundred most. It, they sell it every year. It's yeah. still being sold right now. Other than the people that grew up with Linkin Park, it will never be cool again. Oh, much like much like '90s Aerosmith. Yeah, there's a soft place in the heart of the people that grew up with that stuff, but it will never be genuinely cool again. I don't think there's going to be a big Linkin Park resurgence. Oh no, it's one of those years. things where like if I had a time machine and like I don't know that whole like meeting yourself in the past yeah. sort of situation, but yeah. I would just slap the album right out of my hand and then give myself a savage beatdown, right? Just so that I was so conditioned yeah. out of it. You, you, <laughs> oh my god, I don't know what happened. Some some guy looks sort of like me. <laughs> You came through this like this spaceship. <laughs> you want to be your own big brother. Be like, little brother, what are you listening to? Smack, that's not cool. That would be a great use of time travel. But then again, time paradox, am I going to ever need to go back in time to fix myself from doing that? Because I just stopped myself from doing it. So if I stop myself from doing it, time paradox, y- yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I never would have taken the time machine to go back and stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very music-related clip that we have here. This is a trivia, and I wrote down these questions in case we can't really follow what the questions are so that after the clip is done, we can see if we can actually answer these questions, of which 12-year-old Brooks Rocco fielded to the Danziger's own listener. My contest, I'm going to ask you four MTV or... Or, ba- okay. or band-related trivia questions. If you can answer all ten of them, you send it in the mail. If you win, you win this chain. Oh. You get it in the contest. You get to wear it. And it's all the sweat and everything you want. You will never want it. Not one day. Not one day. For the rest of their lives. Okay, so they can cherish it forever. Let me ask my questions now. Okay. He wants to ask the questions now. Here we go. Trivia. Number one. There's ten questions. Number one. Who is Green Day's drummer? Two. What is the newest Red Hot Chili Peppers album? Uh, as of press time. They're kind of easy. Three. What is my favorite band? Four. Why do I like that band? Five, who's the lead singer? Six. Who's my favorite band at Woodstock? Seven. What band lead singer shot his thumb off at Woodstock 94 because he was trying to commemorate uh, Janis Joplin? Eight. Why did Aerosmith call one of their albums Night in the Ruts? Nine. Uh, who's Bingo the Clown? Finally, ten. The tough oh, wait, one. I, I got, I got a question. I got a question. Hold on. And finally, who sings this song? Hip hop, this is hip hop of the day. I get props to hip hop, so hip hop 
that's enough that you really need to know. All you need to know really is the hey-ho, hey-ho stuff. Wow, okay, okay, okay. First of all, speaking of like a recursive uh, time machine thing, that was like a radio show on the radio show. So there's a little recursive action right there. Yeah, that was a good quiz. Okay, so the first We should have our listeners <laughs> try, to, take that try to get that quiz and then, then mail it in. And then we'll send mail them. into something because on the Danziger zone, it's like just mail it in. As, as <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, as if mail anyone it to Alan Danziger's home address. Yeah, like A, who's listening to this? Exactly. B, B <laughs> where should they send anything to? The first question was, who is Green Day's drummer? That's pretty easy. That's uh, that's Mr. Trey Cool, mm-hmm. who I saw at Mission Bowling a couple about a year ago. Yeah. Um, he. He's both shorter, but also with taller hair than you would expect. He opened up a really amazing Mexican joint right in Emeryville by where Ben used to work, right? Oh, um... I believe you took me there. Yeah. I, I don't know who specifically owns it. I thought it was the whole band that owns it. Maybe. maybe. It's called, it's called uh, Rudy's Can't Fail Cafe, yes. and now there's a second location next to the Fox. Mm. Um, yeah, they have invested well. Number two, I, and this is according to the time at which we recorded this, which was seventh grade, so 1995. Uh, what is the newest Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> album as of press time? Well, or okay. 1996, okay. at least. So Aerosmith was my first favorite band before I knew any better, because like I said, those, mm-hmm. those, those Desmond Child penned 90s hits are just irresistible pop. But my second favorite band was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, thanks to Corinne Tracy, who got me into that. Get band. out, really? Yeah, she, she introduced them to me on the school bus yeah and her favorite album at the time was blood sugar sex magic and i was a little bit too young to get all the entendres for that album to be my favorite but until you got there until i <laughs> until i eventually got there and now it's like yeah now now it's one of my favorite albums ever but uh, at the time i loved one hot minute yes. which was the dave navarro album and that was my first show i ever went to which oh, was man red hot chili peppers on the one hot minute tour with dave navarro and the band i would assume that my favorite red hot chili peppers album was one hot minute and that was the one you were referring to like, cool yes yeah. he was he was saying which was the most recent one yeah not which was your oh yeah so, so number three what is my favorite band more than likely at the time <laughs> it jury's out it could have been chili peppers who knows i was it was rick astley i was i was, <laughs> was really early on that on that yeah. one for why do i like that band why oh, did I like the Red Hot And for anyone who doesn't know Rick, Rick Astley, look it up. Th- this, yeah. is, this, this is going to be a very contentious reason because in 2016, evidently the Red Hot Chili Peppers are the worst band ever, which I don't get why that occurred, seeing as, as we just discussed before, there was much more worse stuff that was out there yeah. and yeah. has been out there since. One Hot Minute wasn't a particularly funky album. Correct. Like, that was their rock album. And Dave Navarro put like some psychedelic guitar shit into that. Can I say that? Yeah, dude. Can I say poopy on this? On we should. This station? We, you know what, Jimmy? I think we should, we should like have a compilation of like people asking. It's okay for us to curse. On you? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay for us to curse. Yes, it's okay for you. Okay, to curse. okay, that's cool. So, um, freeform radio. Yeah. The, the freest dude. Why did I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers? They had some kind of attitude that I found cool back then, and even even to this day, you can argue that they're lame or shitty or whatever. But they kind of do what they want to do. I've never really gotten the vibe that, like, they've been told what kind of music to make. Like, they may have made poor decisions, but it's been their own poor decisions. Oh, it is, his pecs jiggled <laughs> really ex- excellently. Oy. That's a, the visual is in my head now. The Under the Bridge video. There's, like, a 45-second yes. slow-mo pec roll. <laughs> He's, like, running yeah. slow-mo. 
It's like you could like ride the wave of his peck surf. Connecting to that to the music that you made for a second, I know that you were in a band for a while, and I don't think we even t- touched upon the fact that that you were in a pretty well known metal band uh, in the uh, mid aughts. Yeah, uh, I mean, it depends on how deep your knowledge of underground thrash metal music goes. But I was in a, a band that toured and put out a couple albums called Down Factor. If you haven't heard of Rick Astley, then maybe <laughs> then maybe you have heard of Down Factor and vice versa. Well, Down Factor had a song featured in Guitar Hero, no? That's right. A song that I wrote is is in a rock band. Rock band. And it's, it's yeah, a difficult get, one. Get it right, brother. <sighs> the Coke and the Pepsi of musical reenactment games. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's sort of same aesthetic to looking at a band that clearly didn't care about trying to fit into a mold. It seemed like that might have been a little difficult with being in such a very specific genre when you did have Down Factor. Well, Down Factor also wasn't my band. Down Factor was the brainchild of George Anderson, and I was just like the young lead guitar player in that band. I see. I was many years younger than everyone else in that band. I was just like the hot shot, you know, shredding guitar player. Hey, kid, cut us a couple of riffs. <laughs> like there, there were there were shows that I wasn't allowed into until showtime because I was under twenty one. Oh, wow. And actually had to wait outside in the cigarette lobby for us to go on so I could get on stage and play. And then they shuffled me right out. Interesting. But yeah, so that wasn't really my band, even though, you know, I I, I like the music and I wrote half the songs on the album that we did together, one of which ended up on Rock Band. I tell you what, like that's a hard song to play if anyone still plays these games, which I don't think anyone does. But (laughs) yeah, they they don't. But. They were they're fun, man. Like yeah, you get a couple yeah. drinks in you, start well, playing you know, a rock band. There will try, I assure you that in about 10, 15 years there will be a nostalgic resurgence of the Guitar Hero rock yeah. band games. And if you're listening to this now in the self-driving car AI uh, uh, <laughs> emulated future, uh, check out Down Factors Blinded. It's on it's on Rock Band, and I guarantee you that you will beat me at that game because I'm not good at it. Play, Just, yeah, exactly, playing the, the chords that you played, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like my friends have beat me at that, at Rock Band. The song that I wrote, I, like, they, it's amazing. I, I lose at that game. That, that, but, you know, I feel like that's something that happens with a lot of musicians. They d- don't know how to play their own songs in a video game realm. Yeah. Well, I, made, I made the mi- big mistake of learning how to play actual guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where if you, were, if, you played a, if you were an athlete and you played a sports game, would you always play as yourself? Would you always play as your own team? <laughs> this is true. Or would you play as your home team and then trade yourself back to your home team and try to alter your own stats to make yourself better? Depends oh. how, how your mom treated you as a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? I'm confident in the stats they gave me. <laughs> I can't do anything even on I don't the need, game. I don't need a stat bump, you know? I don't need to get the steroids of the video game universe. <laughs> but let, let, let's we'll quickly rattle through this. So number five was who's the band's lead singer? Obviously, that's Anthony Keyes. We talked about him. Number six, who's my favorite band at Woodstock 94? I mean... Oh, so I tell you what. So the Red Hot Chili Peppers played their first show with Dave Navarro at Woodstock 94. They had light bulbs on their heads. But the band that I stayed up all night to see, August 22nd, 1994, was Metallica. This I could not figure out. I actually tried to find what this was. What band's lead singer shot his thumb off at Woodstock 94 because he was trying to commemorate Janis Joplin? That is such an oddly specific thing to occur that the fact that you couldn't find any information on it, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. That, that We would have heard about that. But I sounded so confident when I asked that question. Yeah, it's a trick question. It, it, didn't, it didn't seem 
like it was made up. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. For a child to be like, oh, <laughs> people in the future will be like trying to find out about this obscure yeah. event that never happened. If you asked me to come up with a fake event that occurred at Woodstock 94, I couldn't have come up with something as bizarre as that. Yeah, I mean, at least we all know who, what band, or I mean, assumingly, if you were a historian, you'd yeah. understood ba- there. I'm trying to like think of what situation were they doing, the mud, like, the a, te- a ten-gun salute yeah. well, there was the, Joplin. The set Green Day had in Woodstock 94 was the infamous one where everybody started slinging mud at each other. Yeah, that was, that was 94. I was thinking that might have been 99. Yeah, that was 94. 99 was the Limp Bizkit burning car situation. Actually... It was the Chili Peppers, incidentally, that started when playing Fire. Oh, uh, wait. At uh, 99. Really? Yeah. Uh. They closed it out, and after they played Fire to close it out, everybody burned everything down. Well, the Chili Peppers are just like a notoriously violent band, aren't what, they? What, what can you do? Number <laughs> number eight. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're supposed to stand for such better values. Yeah. Rock music. Why, why did Aerosmith, speaking of which, why did Aerosmith call one of their albums Night in the Ruts? Cocaine. I don't know. Basically, that's that's what I deduced. <laughs> number n- number nine. Who's Bingo the Clown? Man, okay, so that's, that's an anomaly of a question. That sounds so bizarrely familiar, but I racked my brain and I I don't know. Did, do you know the answer to this? Uh, isn't Bingo. Bingo a really arbitrary yet common name? Well, you know, you know, Bingo was his name. Oh, <laughs> we're moving. I'm on. out of here. See you later, guys. <laughs> and number ten. This who, is hard research. Who sang the rap song? That was naughty by nature. That is, that is true. All right. Well, I don't have a chain to give you, unfortunately, but I hope that the next clip will suffice as a present enough. Uh, we have covered in the past the nature of your George Bush impression. Oh, boy. And it's come up a lot. H- a, HW. Yes. George Herbert Walker Bush had a number of appearances on the Danziger <laughs> Zone because Rooks here was a formidable impressionist. So we went to the Jersey Shore. In the summer before eighth grade. In the summer of sixth Yeah. And that was around the time, incidentally, that the Danzig Zone was wrapping up. Maybe puberty happened. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen. Isn't, to that, the, isn't that the story? You stopped doing the Danzig Zone because you got you, you started to like women? That's that's how it goes. Pretty like, much. We understand. Pretty much. We, all, we need to just get, that's the narrative. Garth finally got his pubes. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Yes. All right. It's, well, actually, what's funny about that is, is, is that that's the summer that we watched both the Wayne's Worlds back-to-back. Oh, crazy little gremlins we were. Mm. <laughs> Unstoppable. Yes. Terrorizing the Jersey Shore. Mothers lock up your nerdy sons because we <laughs> want to watch movies with them. <laughs> Let's take a listen to the return of George Bush. Hi, guys. We're here. Uh, well, actually, to tell you the truth, we've been here for a while. We just This is the first time we actually had chance to talk. So here we are. At this wonderful beach house in lovely Jersey Shore. I am your host, Elon Danziger. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Yes. Fantasy Island and the Danziger Zone. We're going to Fantasy Island. Welcome to Fantasy Island. My name is Elon Danziger. We're going to Fantasy Island. That's the name of the amusement park. My name is Elon Danziger. I am your tour guide. This is my... This is my assistant, Brooks Rucko. The plane, the plane! <laughs> I see it. I see there is a plane. I see it. <laughs> anyway, yes, we're here. And, well, well I'm going to go take care of some business, and Brooks is going to entertain you with some of his nice little programs. Okay. This is the reenactment of I Talk, You Listen with George Bush. Did you even hear that? I don't know. Oh, well. Well, no, I don't want to do that. It's stupid. 
even though I know that all of Elon stuff is even stupider, you know, I mean, like, undercover Elon, duh, and then, like, other things, like, other things, I don't know what they're called, but Elon, if you're racist, I'll kill you, and number two, number three, Elon doesn't know how to have fun, four, uh, hi, and number five, and top it all off, hi, Elon, okay, well, there's one more thing I have to say. Read my lips. No new taxes. Hey, where do you come from? I came from hell. Where did you think? You're Satan? Duh. So, you mean, you mean the Republican, the entire Republican Party is hell? Dude, Bill Clinton's gonna go to heaven? The, Re- the Republican convention was all the birth of the new demons that were gonna be born. Elephants go to hell? Yes, they do. Well, small minds like yours can be fooled easily. Hey, but wait, if, if it's the reacting of the demons and uh, the time where they all come to, uh, to, to the world, then you must brainwash the entire Republican society. Are you a Democrat? No, man. I'm independent, man. I don't go into that stupid political crap. You will find me a Republican. Whoa, look at those fangs! He's a vampire! Yes, I am. Now, I have one final thing before I devour you. What's that? Read my lips. No new taxes. <laughs> I am Super Scully. No, you're not. I will destroy you with my best friend, Ricardo Ramon. You can't destroy me. I'm full of balls and you're scum together again. Do your best shot. Hey, Chico. I'm going to destroy you. You can't play steal my games with me, Mr. Republican. <laughs> I know your trick. You can turn into anyone you desire. Recorder of has gone. Well, uh, you got me there. <laughs> I can ah, still destroy you. Now get away from me. Get away from me. How do you I get? Ah, ah, ah. Stop it. I'll get you. This has been a weird I talk to you listen, hasn't it, Brooks? You know, many things have happened during these past couple years, but nothing. Elon still sucks. <laughs> there we go. That's right, that's right, that's right. Nothing has been weirder than this, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, Brooks, yeah. end this. Remember? What? When? When you wake up. In a city that never sleeps. Oh, New York, 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 that was, that was really something. That was really something. The Twilight of the Danziger Zone. Mm-hmm. That was kind of amazing to listen to. Also, I'm sorry for being mean. Oh, dude. No. <laughs> Yo. This was, this was when I started becoming a little the kind of more, a jerk. The more antagonistic <laughs> that these clips are, the more qualified they are to be on this show. Just <laughs> <laughs> the moment you walk away and it's just, it's just, oh, God, Elon is. <laughs> what did you think, Jimmy? I liked it. I think it was funny because 
I could realize you guys were a bit older, you know, you're saying that was a little bit later in the Danziger zone, but the jokes got smarter, you know, as much as you write, they, you know, you get nastier. That's the nature of everyone yeah. gets to be a teenager. You just become a jerk. Like I was a jerk when I was a teenager. It's just, it's the nature of teenagers, yeah. but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. And it, it, when you, when you listen to the really early stuff, some of it is just completely inane <laughs> and this stuff is more pointed. There's more of like an actual thought process that's going along with it. You know, there's some more of a reason what you're saying rather than, you know, cause I remember, you know, similarly, remember when you were a kid and you would come up with some sort of phrase that sounded silly that you and your friends would say and it didn't really mean anything but you mm-hmm. guys would just say it and laugh like I had a friend of mine and we would say Chucky baby and we would like draw a little butt <laughs> well that's hilarious that's just hilarious <laughs> like Chucky baby and you like draw this like little cartoon butt and then it was hilarious I don't know why it was that you thing like I can't do that now I can't yeah. go with my buddies out and be like hey googly squabbity duke <laughs> Well, you are hanging out with the wrong people, my friend. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you have such an impressionability when you become of a reasonable age, like, you know, when you're in middle school and you become aware of your of current events. So, like, for example, what was going on in 1996? There was a huge election. Um, Bill Clinton was running for re-election against Bob Dole. So we learned about this because we were in middle school. We were in a new environment uh, away from our days of just playing kickball on recess, and we were actually learning about current events, and we became a lot more aware of who these people were and what they represented, and we didn't even, I don't even think I knew what a Democrat versus a Republican was before I left Woodstock Elementary. Let alone knowing that Republicans were demons. <laughs> I just remember that I was watching Nickelodeon one time and they had a, a thing where they were introducing Bob Dole and Bill Clinton on Nickelodeon. Like, <laughs> hey, man, this is what the president might be. Hello. <laughs> and he's like, hey, yeah. That's so weird. I obviously watched Nickelodeon less than I used to. But I assume that they still have some sort of, you know, like kids pick the president type thing. And look, look, here's this candidate or this candidate. So maybe that's where I got my info. I am kind of curious where I got the Republican National Convention is hell. Like, that's an interesting perspective. And I didn't grow up in a particularly religious household. And I honestly didn't even grow up in a particularly political household. I don't know where I got the cast the demonic impression upon a political party vibe from again i only half recognize i mean that's the whole fun of this is that you know we, we do we re, do we even recognize the people on this tape? well that's actually a good point because versus when you were younger and a lot more inane to quote jimmy before versus that of more pointed and a lot more sharp <clears throat> in delivery in your lower voice middle school time does that voice resonate with a little more familiarity Yeah, and, you know, that literally is us, and you're listening to the most familiar voice you could possibly imagine, the one that lived inside of you at some point. Yeah, no, that was really fascinating. Also, something I noticed, too, is that the the George Bush impression, I guess that was, like, my thing. That The no no new taxes thing, refrain, you know, is just something I I would constantly... But it sounded like, as Jimmy was saying, we are older here. And I almost got the sense that I knew that, like, that was the expected impression that I was supposed to do because that was my thing is the george bush impression it was dana carvey probably yeah, it, was, it was definitely based on the dana carvey snl george bush but it almost sounded to me at least in the voice that i heard on that clip just now that it sounded like i it was my obligation to do that impression because i'm that's my impression 
And that's something that happens with artists a lot of the times. Once they get known for a thing, they... It's a party trick. It's a party trick, and they, yeah. in a way, they kind of despise it. So not that I was quite there yet, and obviously this is just Dancing Your Zone for us, but it sounded like I felt obligated to that voice in a way. Yeah. So, like, that, we were nearing the, the, the end of our careers. <laughs> that was the moment. Getting to the end of the road. I can't do this, they can't do this Bush can't impression this anymore. Fucking impressions. When I was in college, um, I had done at one point when I was hanging out with some buddies this Al Pacino impression and I had this one friend that was enamored with it and every time I would see the guy I'd be like come on do the Pacino do the Pacino and it got to the point where I'd walk up and go hey Pacino (laughs) (laughs) and like being called Pacino is like a cool thing like I was I was into it because it's Pacino so I was like you lucked out there and actually um it's 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 really ridiculous but I'm gonna do it because it just makes me laugh even now and because I, I, I said to him, I said, man, you know, I one movie that I always thought would be really great that I'd never seen him do was Al Pacino, like, in prison. Like an oh, in you've prison told about this before, yeah. Did I do this on the show before? You have, you have. But, right, but, well, you, but, but, let's but, reprise it. Cause reprise I've, it for Brooks. I've, I haven't I – didn't, I did it in the old iteration of Lost in a Wild. It's not in, not in the – No, 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 no. You did, you did it in this very studio. In this studio? I did In this, this very <laughs> studio. God, I have no memory at all. Well, I, 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 let's I, reprise no it. No comment. Fortunately, <laughs> our, our listeners don't have memories either. Yeah, let's reprise it. Um, Short-term memory loss. So the idea was that – Al Pacino's in prison, and um, <laughs> he's like a guy who's gone through a lot. And you know, by the time <laughs> already he, this is great. Yeah, by the time he gets to prison, like he's not putting up with any bullshit. So he's in the showers, and he drops the soap. Oh, yeah. And he's as he's going to pick it up, like a guy comes up behind him, and the line is, "Get that dick away from my ass." <laughs> <laughs> And my buddy used to have me do this. I'm telling you, every time I saw him. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Now, Pacino these days is very selective in the roles he picks. But I bet he would pick that one with the screenplay. (laughs) If someone handed him that screenplay, he's like, this is the role I was born to play. I've been waiting for 15 years for this role. You can just imagine the look of disdain in his eye when he's saying that line. That'll be his big comeback. We have time for one more clip. We were talking about music before, and in fact, this ties in well because this was happening in the Jersey Shore trip. We were getting a chance to listen to you play a little guitar. Oh, boy. You see, Brooks plays the guitar, so you see... He has more experience than me. Who is still, but I'm, I'm already, I'm starting to learn. He's still learning, but he's learned more than me. So that's the thing, he's superior. Anyway, he's gonna play some guitar for you, some little riffs. I hope you enjoy. Ha ha ha. a second. Isn't that great? But he's learning how to play it. See, he's playing around now. See, haha. Anyway, well, that's I guess what it is. He's playing. He's playing your song for you. Yes, I did it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eat this. Yeah, yeah. Just boys being boys. Eat this. Eat this, man. I hope, I hope that comes back. <laughs>
eat this. People only say eat this <laughs> when it's Dragon Ball Z and they're shooting a fireball at each other. <laughs> eat this. Do you still play guitar, though, anymore? Or? Oh, yeah. I still play guitar. Absolutely. You still have your I, independent music projects, obviously. I, yep, yep, yep. I, uh, I brought my guitars out to California. I sold some gear because traveling across the country is difficult and... Uh, a hard thing to do, but I, yeah, I'm, I've got some guitars. I'm making music at the house, hoping to play some stuff in the city. I mean, I heard this is a good city for, uh, I heard there's people here, right? There are very much a large amount of people that live here. There, I think there might have been a musician from New York before. This may be the case. <laughs> like, I feel like they're like one at least. In the 60s, there was a guy. I totally forgot yeah. to ask, what ever happened to that Stratocaster? It's, uh, it's currently in the East Village. At my apartment. You still have it. Oh, yeah. I, you still held on to your black and gold Stratocaster. Yeah. that I mean, that was my first guitar, and it was a good one. So I, I figure that's going to be the one that's going to follow me into the grave. Yeah, I've done a lot of modifications to it. It's no longer black. It's now a nice wood color. But it's still got the gold pick guard, and it's a pretty awesome 77 Strat. It weighs a ton. And you've been working with other artists uh, here in the city thus far, or are most of your connections still based in the Bay Area? I've only, I haven't been here very long, but I have been in touch with a couple people. Um, I haven't really done any real collaborations yet. I know that um, Wildlife Control, a band that we both enjoy, um, yeah. the, the Shaw brothers who do take up, make up this band, one of them lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, Neil lives out in Brooklyn. Uh, Wildlife Control's put out some more material. They, they just recently played Bottle Rock. I think what's uh, that I I may be wrong about this but I'm pretty sure they played Bottle Rock which is a Northern Californian uh, wine and music festival because you know festivals are the thing but yeah Neil lives out here I played guitar a little bit of guitar on that first album that they put out great album um, and it, it is a great album check it out Wildlife Control I feel like I really want to listen to that band because that was my dad's job when I was a kid and that's the oh, way shit. he always used to say it people would ask him what his job was he goes I'm in Wildlife Control I, I just realized something. Yeah. Is your uh, the, Jimmy? This? You, oh, did they take the name the band from the, from his car? Well, <laughs> that that and also was it your dad the one who was driving what looked like a freaking ectomobile? Yeah, he drove the, the <gasps> Ghostbuster. Holy shit! My father drove the Ghostbuster ambulance around Brooklyn that said Wildlife Control on it. Yeah. And Whole, the, wow. so they based the band name of the band off that car that they saw. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because I've I've met I met a guy in college who told me that he'd seen that car on Brooklyn all growing up his entire life. And then him and all his friends just took photos in front of it, and everyone knew it. And they'd mentioned it to all these people before. They go, oh, my, yeah, yeah, that, the Ghostbuster ambulance, yeah. You know, I told you the story. What happened with that, right? Uh, I don't think so. It got uh, possessed by the city. When my dad was trying to get it back from the city, they put it on an auction and sold it to a guy, and he took it to Germany. And then we got a letter from the guy from Germany. He said, yeah, if you each picture your car in Germany, if you want the car back, yada, yada. And, and the way, us, like, give us a price to buy it back from him. And the way this connects now is, is that our buddy Josh Telson, somewhere out in Berlin, probably is it's, it's living Cruise, on his quad. Cruising clock. around exactly. in the Ghostbuster mobile. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Brooks, this has uh, been one hell of an hour that we've been spending here with you. The, all, with all the clips that you've been hearing, I mean, this – only scratches the surface. There's so much more that even continues oh, to uh, collect dust and has yet to be uncovered because, again, we can't fit all of your content in one hour. But <laughs> of what we've played here, it seems like there's a thread of really mo mostly music-related uh, and definitely a lot of uh, sharp creativity that continued to get even sharper as you got older. And you could, you could become our Artie Lang, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's always going to be a need, like, again, like, to, to, to be bringing you back because there's always more 
Well, uh, are there, is, does New York have any pizza? <laughs> I, could, I could be the next Artie Lang, but I need to eat a lot pizza of pizza. Pizza and cocaine. You yeah, came to the right Lang. city if you were truly <laughs> missing. Sign me up. <laughs> the hot new diet. <laughs> all, all the New York foods. Pizza, bagel, Dunkin' Donuts. You, Whoa. I mean. <laughs> There's a guy who frequents a bar that I go to. It looks exactly like Artie Lang, and I, and I said it to him. <laughs> And God, like he—he he just looked so sad. <laughs> yeah, that's not your fat. That's not your body icon, really. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I can't. I haven't seen Artie Lang in a while. Maybe he's shaped up. I don't know. But I think he's. I think I, he's, I he, think he looks exactly the same. The archetypal Artie Lang, who lives in all of us. Yeah, the fat man waiting to get out. <laughs> he's he's great. I, I love Artie. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. And I hope he's doing well. Brooks, do you have any projects that you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh, um, well, like I said, I just I just moved out here, so I'm getting the musical projects together now. But uh, you check out your SoundCloud, right? You can check out my SoundCloud. It, everything is Brooks Rocco, all one word. Uh, SoundCloud slash Brooks Rocco, Twitter slash Brooks Rocco, Facebook slash Brooks Rocco. You got hilarious tweets, and um, thank you. You, you. You're a very entertaining personality on the webs. Well, thanks. Comedy is one thing I want to try while I'm out here. It's on my bucket list. This is a comedy town. So talk I, to him. So talk I to think, Jimmy. So I'm going to do some some. Dan, I don't know nothing about Danziger's own reboots on the open mic stage <laughs> coming up. I will be there front in center to be pervy to, to I got I got this bit about George, I got this bit about George H W Bush that I'm working on. Uh huh. You can do it, Rocco. Come on, Rock. You, you, you got the stuff, Rocco. Brooks Rocco on Lost and Rewound. A long time coming uh, in for the Radio Free Brooklyn variety. But that said, uh, we look forward to having you here again soon. Good, sir. Read my lips. No new taxes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the bit I'm working on. I've uh, been working on it for about 30 years almost. It needs a little work. No. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. It's we, been great. We'll be back in a little bit to wrap up. A quick song from our sponsors. I've got two legs from my hips to the ground, and when I move them, I walk around. And when I lift them, I climb the stairs. And when I shave them, I ain't got hairs. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Ah, another classic. Another one for the books. Ah, right to the Pantheon. Yes. <laughs> so, that was such a, a fun time. A thrill to have my buddy from Woodstock here in the studio with you and I, Jimmy Hoffman. Um, we are online all over the place, but if you want to come and check us out anytime on lostandrewound.com, you can hear any old episodes when they go up every week. We are also on SoundCloud, as I said before, as well as iTunes and Lost and Rewound is also on Audio Boom. Radio Free Brooklyn has our channel there. So check us out all over the place. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And if you want to submit anything to us, we are open to all submissions as season four is about to begin really, really soon. Yeah, tune in next week for the series finale. The series finale. Right we got here. some surprises and we look forward to you <laughs> listening. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ciao. Capsule? No, I'm gonna keep them throughout my entire life and keep them in really good condition.
How do you get a tape in the back? Well, who's, well, are you going to be the only one who's going to listen to him? Well, then if I see you get up, they play to you again, then you'll say how weird you sounded. Well, it's a good thing to play to your friends. When it's like a it's like a photo album, you know. Well, uh... Just thing to look back to. No, it's not.